all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us. Instaxed. Xed. X. <laughs> Might be Xed soon. Yes. Uh, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Also, Threads and Blue Sky. I forgot. Do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> um, now, before we get to uh, the tragedy of today, we must first do some celebrating. Oh, I'm just, I was trying to figure out what song this was. Yeah. Four. Woohoo! Kissinger is dead! Oh, okay. Come well, he's, on. well, he's been dead for a couple of days now. <laughs> sure, but we, we have we not recorded. spoken on it. No, exactly. Haven't. Motherfuckers finally kicked the fucking bucket. Well, I mean, it, like, it's just like, okay, it finally, ha- finally happened. Jesus. But uh, there are still others out there that. Well, there will always be others yeah. out there. So. so it's like we can't ever get rid of them all. Mm. But uh, at least this one's pretty horrendous. Yes. Like, like, imagine being beloved and also being responsible for the deaths of, like, millions of people. Like, how can those two things be true for, like, the same person? You know what I mean? Well, but it's who he's beloved by is only a specific right. portion of the population. But, but here's the weird thing. He's not feared, in a sense. He is, like, accepted. You know what I mean? Like, there are obviously dictators who have a much higher body count than he does. Mm-hmm. But he's not really dictators don't glad hand with people you know what i mean because they don't have to they're dictators they don't hug people running for president exactly yeah you know and that's that's the weird i just don't get it like, like I'll, him I'll as never a person? well that i the mm-hmm. in the accept the acceptance part and how people oh, can yeah. just be like well he was a statesman and a blob like, how could the first thing, like, out of your mouth not be, this guy was a fucking maniac. He was a war criminal. Who had no empathy, who yeah. who was a sociopath, essentially. Yeah. I mean, he's he's even, like, somewhat admitted so without realizing that that's what he was admitting. How so? What did he say? By, like, his formative years, like, no, eh, didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't really feel yes. anything. Yes, highly recommend <laughs> if you don't know much about Kissinger, which, frankly, if you were, if you're, like, under... F- 50 he probably really didn't have don't. much no. reason to because no, he, he was, was never in office and really in my lifetime i don't think i think like i think just it before. ended with the carter administration yeah, i believe because yeah he was secretary of state and national security advisor during the nixon and ford years mm-hmm. so um i know he had his character him being a real person had a prevalent right. role in the nixon movie oh okay by oliver stone who played him i don't remember okay but um he was like one of the main characters in the film but yeah, he was really well respected for a really long time, but he did some horrific things, including basically making decisions that killed millions of people, yeah. prolonged the Vietnam Which War. Which I still don't understand. You're the Secretary of State. You're not a fucking general. Like how... Unless I, you want to be. 
I don't think it works that way, though. Or maybe it does. I mean, I, I mean, that, it did for him. That's what I don't understand. Like, with the whole thing with Cambodian yeah. Laos, like, apparently he was the one making the... I'm like, how is that possible? He's not... He's not the. He's not a general. Well, he's not even in the armed services. But he works for the commander in chief of the armed services, and if that commander in chief gives I him guess. the power and ability to do it, then maybe he sure that's does. where it comes from. I guess. Well, I, I, I don't know. I was gonna say, I would a hundred percent recommend it. Listening to they did a six parter of Henry Kissinger on Behind the Bastards, and Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds from The Dollop were the guest stars on it. So it is not only incredibly informative about Kissinger. But hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like it was the, really like funny. The, like the, what happened? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? What happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, uh, that, was a, that was a joke made in reference, because he brings up the years like 1933 to 1945 and mm-hmm. how they were like some of the world's most tragic times. Dave Anthony's like, what happened? Oh, really? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Joking, was, obviously. Right. Like, yeah. I was um, originally, I started a script for this episode where I was going to call the disaster, the life. I usually say the, the death of such and such person, the life of Henry Kissinger, as, as in it was a disaster that he existed. Yeah. But then I was like, he's a criminal. That's That was his problem. So what would be to stop me from being like, oh, the life of John Wayne Gacy? And then we just become a true crime podcast. So, <laughs> you know. I decided against it. So, but I would highly recommend listening to that if you want to hear who Kissinger was. That's how I learned who Kissinger really was. It was because I had barely like, oh, yeah, he was like some politician years ago. I didn't even really know what he did because, again, this is years before I was even born. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who's younger than us, it was even longer ago, you know, so... But yeah, I, I highly recommend that. Um, also, apologies for will, really weird recording shit that happened last week. Like the recording had some static and some skipping. I really hope that doesn't happen again this week. If it does, please Nicole, look. please let me know. Or somebody. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not sure. It could be we've got a cord issue, a mic issue, a recording issue. I don't know. We're all so, Yeah. It's, uh, it, clearly, we don't, we're not engineers here. So, anyway. Um, well, what are you drinking? <laughs> I know, I know, we know what you're drinking. Yes, but. I'm drinking uh, the finest national local beer on the market. Someone was like, um, they didn't understand where that came from. What is that? Was that a um, slogan that they used to use Miller Lite? No, that's Na- just something national... I came up with. Oh, you just yeah. came up with it. Yeah. Well, because it, well, because it's you know, like the, there's the local beer craze that's happened right. for like the mm-hmm. past know, ten or fifteen years, and like to me, like it is a local beer because it's everywhere. Oh, okay. it's local to everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> gotcha. <laughs> so. I am drinking GT's Synergy Raw Kombucha in Gingerberry. Yeah, Would you like to yeah, try? I'll try it. It looks like it's very vinegary, but... It's not. It's yeah. not too bad. Oh, wow. That's, Does it smell <laughs> like it? Pungent. <laughs> <laughs> it stings the nostrils. <laughs> yeah. 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 Still not converting you one. to kombucha? No, I don't think I'm okay. ever going there. <laughs> All right. Well, we have today. So we are, you know, very quickly sliding into the holiday season. Somehow it is December. Yeah. Already. And typically, you know, around the holidays, we start doing miracle sods and lighthearted episodes, right? 
Um, not today. <laughs> I guess I'm guessing we're going to go in a different direction today. Yeah. Before we get into the lightness of the holidays, we're going to really bring you down. Um, courtesy of a script by Mick. Okay. So Mick lives in Austria. Oh, nice. Okay. And, uh, oh, did I ask Mick? Mick, I did not ask you your pronouns. I apologize. Um, I'll just call you Mick. So anyway, Mick, here's Mick's qualifications. Um, earned a bachelor's degree in German and modern German history. Okay. But spoke no German going into college, but now has quite the grasp living in Austria. Um, Mick has been in Germany for the past few years studying for their law degree and oh. is currently in that then moved to Austria do it and is currently working on uh is it a master's or law degree sorry Mick I'm I should have looked at this well before law school in Austria so Mick is now in law school uh Mick why are you listening to us <laughs> That's always the question. <laughs> we don't know why why <laughs> highly for, intelligent people do this. Gotta be uh, for pure entertainment's sake, which I'm not sure if that's the case either. Right. Uh, because you can't possibly be learning anything from us. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> and this is another one of the, first of all, we appreciate listener scripts in whatever form they come in, but I am always like, it makes me smile when people submit scripts that look like full-blown research papers with inline citations and a bibliography. Because well, that's what it is. <laughs> exactly, because they're doing it properly. <laughs> we, we just didn't ask for it that right. way. <laughs> but that's like, it's already like in some people's brains that this is how it has to be done. Right. Well, especially people in academia are people mm-hmm. who have are better educated than we are. Yes. I mean, to be fair, I do almost have my master's degree, but it ain't in English or, or law or anything where I'm writing research papers. I haven't written a single research paper um, in my master's because accounting mm-hmm. sure. is different. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to next semester. I'm not sure, but... So, yes, we're getting really dark before we get into the lightness of the holidays. Um, and Mick's got some... Uh, some trigger warnings for this one. So you can just tell by the title what this is going to be like. This is The Mass Suicide at Demon, A Tragedy in Three Acts. Jeez, okay. This occurred April 30th to May 3rd, 1945. I was just... (laughs) Guess is what was going to happen. I was going to say, like, if you gave me, like, like a year's Mm -hmm. timeline to guess, I would have guessed in the World War II period. Mm -hmm. Yes. The death Not, Not uncommon in Germany. No. The death toll was at least 900, possibly up to 2,500, and is the largest mass suicide in German history. Yeah, jeez. Um, Mick gives, I would like to request specific trigger warnings for suicide, rape, and the death of children. Mm. <laughs> so in other words, <laughs> this is going to be grim. Happy holidays, <laughs> Right? Uh, pronunciation. Oh, yes. Mick gave me a pronunciation guide. Very happy about that. Um... So here is the opening quote. Quote, There exists the danger of a suicide epidemic. I have been repeatedly visited by members of my congregation who revealed to me that they have secured an ampule of cyanide. They see no way out. The person chiefly responsible for this rise in suicidal tendencies 
is Dr. Goebbels. It is Goebbels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goebbels. Sorry. Well, it's Goebbels. It is kind of pr- it's pronounced either way. Goebbels. Okay. Goebbels. Well, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go Goebbels. with. Uh, oh, is that how he mix. has it? On yeah, oh, Goebbels. Okay. I thought it was Goebbels too. Anyway. Well, maybe that's like the British English. You know how they mm. sometimes add R's in there? True. Anyway. He drummed it into people that the Russians will bring hell in their wake. All Berliners know the Russians will soon be in Berlin, and they see no escape other than cyanide. End quote. Reverend Gerhard Jacobi to his parishioners, Berlin, March 1945. Mm-hmm. So the historic town of Demen is nestled among the winding rivers and placid lakes of the northeastern German lowlands close to the Baltic Sea coast. Sighted at the confluence of the Pina, Tolensa, and Treble rivers. Treble rivers. Yes, sorry, I'm going back and forth here. The area has long been known as the Dreistromland, And these rivers contributed to the town's rise from the medieval period into the modern era as a regional center of commerce and trade. By looking at a map of the area, it is easy to understand. The Pina River curves around the peninsula, forming along with the inflowing Trebel and northern and western boundaries of the city, while the Tolensa creates the southern border. Because of this location... The city has been occupied and destroyed many times within the last thousand years. And the events that occurred in the town in the spring of 1945 were no exception. Here's a picture. Very pretty. Oh, yeah. Very much so. We need to get to Germany. Yeah, I w- I, that is a place I would like to go. Yeah, You'd love it for the history, I mm-hmm. bet. Mm-hmm. That'd be part of it. Because they, they still have a lot of the... Well, this is mostly in France, anyway. Um, I was about to say they still have a lot of the old... World War One trenches there, but a lot of those are mostly in France. There's not mm. too many in Germany. Mm. But anyway, but yeah, it looks like a... I've heard it's from several people I know that have gone there. That's gorgeous there. Well, and um, my parents and my sister have all been to Germany, mm-hmm. which is where our last name comes from, mm-hmm. and even went to the beer company named yeah. <laughs> that we share a name with. So, Yeah, until that horrible 72-hour period from the evening of April 30th through the 3rd of May... Demon simply sat on its little peninsula surrounded by the slow, shallow rivers and adjoining marshes, safe from the Allied bombing raids that plagued larger cities. Occasionally, the sirens would sound and the citizens would scramble into their cellars, but no bomb ever fell on the town, leaving its Gothic church of St. Bartolome and the St. Bartolome. There we go. And the step gabled gatehouse still standing, the populace relatively unscathed. That's interesting. By all accounts, life did not change much in Demon after the National Socialistic Socialistica Deutsche Arbeiterparty. Okay. Well, you know how Germans just like put all sorts of words together. Uh, yes, also known yeah. as the NSDAP, <laughs> rose to power in 1933. With a population of about 9,000, a full 53.7 of the populace voted for Hitler and the Nazis during the last parliamentary election. And this is in a political system which at the time had a total of more than 10 parties to choose from. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, wow, okay. Yeah, it was a parliamentary government. 
This came as no surprise, however, as since the end of the First World War, Demen and the surrounding region had been strongholds for right-wing paramilitary groups such as the Stahlhelm. By the dawn of 1945, the Nazi Reich was employed, imploding after a mere 12 years instead of the millennia that the nation's leader... Now, this is interesting. Apparently, it's Adolf Hitler, not Adolf. Adolf. Okay. Yeah. Adolf That's Hitler. probably the proper German yeah, yeah. pronunciation. Had predicted in his bombastic propaganda speeches. With the American, British, and French troops approaching from the West via Belgium and France after the victorious D-Day landings the previous summer, Soviet troops were closing in on the Eastern territories on their way to the symbolic and practical seat of governmental power in Berlin. With food supplies dangerously low and infrastructure crumbling, civilians were already in dire straits, surviving off of oatmeal, potatoes, and turnips. In essence, whatever could be scavenged or otherwise purchased on the black market. The Nazi propaganda machine had from the outset positioned the National Socialist ideology as a bulwark against the Soviet Union and communism, and the Nazi party saw the Reich as a valiant defender of Europe, spreading, preventing the spread of Soviet influence to the rest of the continent. In doing so, the Soviet people and the Red Army were portrayed as feral, semi-human creatures lacking in both intelligence and morals, living in filth and gripped with animalistic instincts that were both bloodthirsty and depraved. A direct contrast to the depiction of Germans as a clean, valiant, intelligent, and morally just people who were everything that the Soviets were not. The war in Europe was, from a Nazi perspective, a righteous war against a backwards and inhuman evil, a modern-day crusade. Even as rationing hit the home front and bombing raids began to threaten major cities and industrial towns, the overwhelming and constantly reinforced rhetoric of good and right versus evil and animal boosted the German population's dedication to victory at all costs and the willingness to use violence to achieve their goals, seeing violence as, as a necessary means to a noble end. Alongside this tacit acceptance of violence against others, the Nazi movement had from very early on used violence against itself as a way to produce martyrs for the propaganda machine. Figures such as... Oh, okay. Um, Horst Vessel, I'm guessing. W's are kind of V's, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A young Nazi murdered by communists in Berlin in 1919, and many others, provided Germany with a sense of persecution that was used to justify their military campaigns, as well as their ethnic cleansing, with Jewish communities being falsely claimed as being hotbeds of Bolshevism. Mm. It's really interesting, because, not in the same way, but the, the evangelical church, in my experience also enjoyed martyr stories oh yes and i think that that that's like a big important part of storytelling for fascist type well i mean christianity itself mm -hmm. let's face it is just based off martyrdom jesus christ died for your sins you know what i mean you yes I mean? Uh, yes and i get that i get that but there's also a strong narrative or there sure was when i was in the church and i feel like it still remains a strong narrative that Christians are persecuted, actively oh God. Oh, persecuted yes. against. It's the victim complex is kind yes. of all they know. Yes. And, and I think that that's, it, it's just interesting that like 
the Nazi propaganda had the same narrative. Oh, most propaganda does. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you have to make people feel sympathetic. For, there's nothing to feel sympathetic right. about. Like uh, like when you hear, especially evangelical, Christianity is under attack. Like, is it really? Really is it? Let, let's, let's talk about that. Right. Is there a town? Is there a zip code in America that does not have a Christian church? I doubt it. And if there is, there's probably like three. Right. You know what I mean? Every president we've ever had has been a Christian. Most people that run our... Right. Most people that run our government, Mm -hmm. Christian. Mm -hmm. So where's the persecution part again? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That's just how you feel. Yeah. And there's no validity to it. Mm -mm. It's just just a bullshit framing device. Well, and it's a way to make it seem like... um, that anyone who does something that you consider to be, quote, wrong, which aren't things like, because <laughs> Christian and non-Christian people generally agree, yeah, don't kill people, <laughs> don't hurt people, whatever, whatever. But what they find the problem in is, oh, this wokeism and this... Well, if they're not controlling know, the culture, which they yes. don't anymore, mm-hmm. which they haven't for a long time, that really irks them. Yeah. I, I mean, it really, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can all agree on, like, don't kill people, this and that. Like, we can all agree on, like, basic, you know, human principles. But they're also, like, that person is outwardly being gay. Right. Mm-hmm. We can't have that. Gay marriage, we can't have. Abortion rights, we can't have. Yeah. No, those are all wrong and yes. immoral. And you can't have those things because I'm being persecuted. Right. <laughs> right. Or, or, no, you can't have those things, and if you say you can, I'm being persecuted. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. So, wow, that was a, yeah. a bit of a side rant comparing yeah. evangelicals to Nazis. Well, yeah, in I mean, this it's, manner. Yeah. Not good. Well, uh, I mean, hey, you know what? We're going to find out in the next year or two, aren't we? Yes, damn it. Okay. All right, so see attached a January 1942 cartoon about Soviet civilians published by the Nazi Party's official women's magazine. Oh, oh yeah. God. Frauen Varta. There is the occasional, like, right wing idiot that tries to. Uh, make the claim that no that tries to make the claim that oh the germans were actually communists it's like do you know how the nazis felt about communism like do you really because that's a really fucking dumb statement if if you ever even thought that for a second so uh it it is it the cartoon's name is an unsophisticated people sketches from the Hmm. peasants soviet paradise well you can dig up the stuff from even in our own country oh yeah of course. Dealing with you know, Irish people. Right. <laughs> I mean... The f- so the first sketch shows a Russian peasant family at home in a single-room hovel surrounded by livestock with the caption, The animals are housed under one roof. Oh, note the way that animals mm-hmm. here refers to not just the livestock. Oof. Right. The second image shows a pair of women and children outside of the hut, poorly clad and lounging on a bench, picking sunflower seeds from the heads of blooms, more of which are seen growing in the background, and the caption reads, they lived almost entirely off of sunflower seeds. Okay. <laughs> I don't get that, but okay. That sounds like relatively like... Like so. Yeah, or like, okay. pe- like peaceful. They just That's ate sunflower fine. seeds. But I think it's it's probably making it be like, oh, they were eating like chicken feed sort of a thing yeah, or something probably. like that. Yeah. The, th- uh, the third image shows a poorly dressed and unshaven man's spitting into his hand with the caption bathing looks something like this uh, that's mean yeah 
The fourth image shows a German soldier going about his morning routine, broad-chested and clean in his uniform, a stark contrast to the unkempt peasants watching as he brushes his teeth. Captioned, it wonders, how evidently unknown is the use of mo our most everyday items? As what? As if they're, well, they call them animals, so. Well, it's, it's oh. I mean, it's what you have to do to other group. people. Mm -hmm. Well, dehumanize them. Yeah. Right, exactly. To, to otherize them. To otherize them, exactly. The fifth image shows women in patched clothing and babushka-style headscarves combing each at each other's hair as they lounge on a log on and on the ground. Quote, as a Sunday treat, they dedicate themselves to de-lousing each other. Ugh. Oh, God. End quote. Above their heads, thought or speech bubbles show the women counting the number of lice they've found, 81 and 200, respectively. Ugh. It has the... This has kind of the feel... Of, like, really racist cartoons from the United States. Oh, God, yeah. It's all, yeah. It's, we, we've all done it in every society. Right. Try to, you know, make other To otherize, like yeah. you said, the outgroup. I mean, it's happening right now with Palestinians. Mm. I mean, with how they're Man. spoken of on TV. Like, you've, we've, the, we've done a very good job the past couple of decades just making sure people don't think they're human. Yeah. So. Yeah. So when, so when pro so when pro life senators, uh, many of them standing up and saying finish the job, meaning yeah. kill them all, you know, we we know how they really feel about life. Pro -life. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. yeah, we haven't really discussed. The... It's because I don't. I'm not familiar enough with the I geopolitics know. and 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 I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I completely agree. Um, it's a pretty sensitive because this is shit. Yes, that's, it absolutely is. This is. Uh, blood wars that literally go back thousands of mm -hmm. years so which i don't understand mm -hmm. so um li listen to those on the the left <laughs> that's what i would say like the 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 real left not the liberals but because i think they probably have the best take on it all but because i know that genocide is being committed which is <laughs> not good yeah it's not not a terribly controversial statement, I don't think, but whatever. I don't anyway, think so. collective punishment for sure has taken place, which yeah. is a, a very illegal warfare. Yeah, a lot of civilians are dying, and that's horrible. Mostly, so. mostly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rumors of rape and sexual violence began trickling in from women escaping those cities in the border regions closest to the Soviet Union, and this trickle soon became a deluge. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So again, trigger warning for sexual assault and rape. Uh, whispers of grandmothers being gang raped, of children being raped before being killed, of women raped literally to death before being mutilated by having their breasts cut off, of women raped in full view of their families before being murdered, and of pregnant mothers being carved open and brutally slain. Yeah, that's, that's very brutal. Doctors in Germany worked around the clock to treat the venereal diseases and terminate the pregnancies of women and girls who lined up in the chilly weather desperate for help. According to Dr. Franz Wertheim of Ber Berlin, geez, I could not get that out for some reason, quote, I came across different cases. Girls of 11 or 12 were brought in with torn ligaments and punctured bowels who quickly bled to death under mm. my fingers. A woman was brought who had been shot through the temple for having cried while being raped. My consulting hours brought a throng of patients, many more than I could ever deal with in a day. Many of them had venereal disease, and in the view of the lack of all the medical of all medical supplies, I could only advise them to clear out to the west, for nothing could be done for them here. 
There was an uninterrupted flow of women pregnant by Russians who wanted to get rid of this shameful result of their violation. Abortion had been strictly forbidden, but these were different, and I aborted them in nearly every case. Mm. Oh, it's also really, really shitty that women tend to be highly victimized in wartime situations. Yeah. And this, I mean, I've watched several documentaries. This is all dealing with... Um, like pretty much the direct aftermath of uh, Germany falling, because mm. we kind of just let the Russians do yeah. it. It was kind of like they had a bigger beef with Germany than we did. Mm. So once the war, once it was clear that Germany mm. was done, the U.S. kind of turned its back because we, because we still, we still had Japan to deal with. Except for one very important thing, we gathered up all the scientists and brought them to NASA. Well, eventually, but oh no. Immediately. Well, no. Well, Literally immediately. Operation Paperclip, I can point to it right there. Literally. The day. They, they were sneaking in there to grab these scientists, the U.S., before the Soviets got to them. That was a deliberate... Yes. I thought it was only a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, no, we're talking May 1945. They were in there. Jeez. Deliberately recruiting. And, and they were like, get these guys out of here. It's really interesting. That's pretty fucking crazy. It is. But yes, but like the, we kind of was like, yeah, let the Russians have them, essentially, was kind of the attitude. Let them deal with it. Mm. Was was Russia involved in the Japan side of World War II? They must have been, Mm -hmm. yeah. They were a lot closer to Japan well, they, they still occupied a lot of northern Japan mm. a couple years after the war was done. Oh, that's right. You, you mentioned that because you saw Godzilla Minus One and that yes. kind of came up. It does. Yeah. Excellent film. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I just wanted to give you the opportunity because I know you were really impressed by it. I was, yes. Very much mm-hmm. so. It seems like all the critics are too. Yeah. So. so all of these tales were quick to take hold in the minds of German civilians during the twilight of the war the already heightened anxiety and sense of dread being compounded along the propaganda-fueled stereotypes, along with the propaganda-fueled stereotypes. Such was the prevailing portrayal of Soviets and Slavic peoples in general, and these stereotypes were reinforced by the beginning of 1945, when the Red Army began taking territories in the far east of the Reich on their way to Berlin. As the Red Army advanced... Which which eventually becomes East Germany. Right, right, uh-huh. Civilians fleeing the troops would rush rush westward, bringing with them stories which, whether apocryphal or accurate, served to fan the flames of hysteria, xenophobia, and terror in the towns and villages to which they fled. The statistics, while difficult to pin down with certainty, do reveal that sexual violence was epidemic against civilian women in Germany in the waning days of World War II. Estimates suggest that approximately 2 million women were raped by the advancing Russian Mm -hmm. troops, many of them repeatedly. In the Berlin suburb of Dahlem, Soviet troops overran an orphanage and maternity home, reportedly raping nuns, pregnant women, young girls, and newly postpartum mothers without pity. In the words of one woman in Berlin at the time, trigger warning again repeatedly here, quote, behind the door I saw a woman lying smeared with blood, her legs splayed. She had literally been raped to death by the Russians and her husband was lying in the hall shot through the neck, End quote. 
Truly, it seemed to many that no woman would be spared. With nuns and pregnant women seen as fair game by Soviet troops, it comes as no surprise to also hear the stories of the children who were also victimized. Trigger, 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 warning, warning, warning. One notable victim of this heartbreaking and aberrant crime was a 12-year-old girl named Hannah Lore, who was gang-raped by several soldiers before being thrown from a window, sustaining lifelong spinal injuries. Mm. Later, having married a man named Helmut, she would become Hanelor Kohl, the first lady of Germany, huh? And use her position to advocate and raise awareness for those with spinal and central nervous system injuries. Wow. Wow. Tragically, the long arm of suicide stemming from Soviet rape continues continued its horrible reach even decades after the war, and she passed away from a sleeping pill overdose in 2001, ultimately caused by her trauma 54 years prior. Wow. Mm. As Dr. Beverly Chalmers reports in her birth, birth, bu- her book, Birth, Sex, and Abuse, Women's Voices Under Nazi Rule, rape in this context was not infrequently a catalyst for both suicide and familicide, stating that, quote, shame and wounded masculinity drove fathers to kill their wives and children, often with the woman's consent before killing themselves, end quote. However, it was not merely due to rape that mass suicide occurred in Germany in 1945. Exact motives are often unclear as few victims left suicide notes behind and and entire families were wiped out with no witness left alive who might have been able to shed light on a specific cause. Indeed, the threat of mass suicide was recognized at least as early as March 1945 when Gerhard Jacobi preached a sermon to his flock using the phrase and warning parishioners against the so-called rash act. Certain images of suicide at the end of the Third Reich come to mind when one thinks of the subjects, the Goebbels family, and of course, Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun. Yes. Pronounced closer to Braun than Brown. Yes, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Perhaps the famous images of the deputy mayor of the German city of Leipzig. Leipzig? Mm-hmm. Yes. Leipzig. G-N-H. Leipzig. Leipzig. How did I do, Mick? (laughs) (laughs) Slumped over his desk while his wife and teenage daughter are splayed out on the divan in his office, heads lolled back, all of them dead. The image of a fanatical SS officer murdering his family before turning the gun on himself. Of people who chose to die because they could not see a point in living in a world without national socialism. In reality, those suicides were exceptions rather than the rule. Most of them took place not out of political fanaticism, but out of simple terror and fear of the unknown and the images of destruction and violence that the populace had been taught would befall them should the Soviet troops arrive. These deaths were not the Heldentod, a valiant death of a warrior refusing to be captured, that was pushed in newsreels and films. These deaths were quiet tragedies that played out because people saw no escape from the horrors that awaited them. That's, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. this is a, this is an interesting aspect to warfare too. Oh, well, I mean, like it's, the private it's, despair sort of. It's not unique to this war. No, of and course it's not. definitely, but, um, yeah, the, uh, what often gets, there's not a whole lot of documentaries on this. There are several on World War II because it was such mm-hmm. an expanding war, but there's very few documentation or popular documentation, I'll put it that way, of what happens when the war comes to, a war comes to an end. Right. 
what does the reconstruction period look like? Even in our own country, we yeah. had our own reconstruction in the Civil oh, yes. War, which a lot of people don't really know the details of. Right, you kind of gloss over it. That, that it was an well, antebellum period. Is yes. That what it well, is? essentially, the South lost the physical war. Right. But they won all of the congressional battles mm-hmm. after that. They won the legislative war. That's well, the war that they did win. And then just instituted Jim Crow. And really, nothing yeah. happened to them. Mm-hmm. They kind of just carried on. There was no Nuremberg of uh, right. Confederates. There was not. Yeah. No. Um, mm-hmm. but, but the, and I've, I've seen some documentaries on, you know, Japan rebuilding and certainly mm-hmm. Germany and stuff like that, but that's that often seems to be a part of warfare that gets overlooked. Yeah. Which well, it and, shouldn't be. And it can be destructive too. Oh, it's very yeah. much. Well, mm-hmm. think of the, think of the, say what you want about Nazis. Not all citizens. <laughs> There's plenty to say about Nazis. Well, and yeah. not every citizen agreed. No, of course not. But mm-hmm. they got caught in all of the fuckery, yes. all their chaos, mm-hmm. you know, all their bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and sadly, I mean, it's, sadly, I think it's something that we're going to have to deal with here mm. sooner rather than later. Hmm. So. Though motives are hard to pinpoint, three distinct successive waves of suicides can be identified. Phase one. Began in January as Soviet forces began to drive the German military into retreat in the provinces of East Prussia and Silesia, now parts of Poland and Russia. These would have been the suicides of those who were either unable or unwilling to dare the trek towards the West, and their fates and the stories of the horrors of horrors the surviving refugees from these regions brought with them spread and heightened the sense of dread and terror in other parts of Germany, including Demen. Yeah, you're going to go west, presumably on foot, through what is st- right. <laughs> what is still... Uh, a war zone. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. how are you going to feed people and get water and supplies along with, like, yeah, good yeah. luck. Phase two occurred in April and May as high-ranking political and military figures began completing suicide, sometimes with their families, peaking during the Battle of Berlin. This phase features several of the most well-known mass suicides, such as that of the Goebbels family. Propaganda minister Dr. Joseph Goebbels and his wife Magda killed their six children before ending their own lives. I have read about that. These deaths were seen as and represented in the Nazi media as Heldentod, uh, or heroic deaths, as Christian Christian Goschel, maybe? Okay. Writes in his 2006 article for Journal of Contemporary History, quote, Dying the death of a soldier was more dignified than negotiating for peace. The significance of dying a violent death dated back to the initial period of the party's struggle for power, the, the Kampfzeit, and the experience of 1918, which had led to the idealization of the soldier's death in Nazi discourse. This corresponded with Nazi notions of a distinctly masculine way of dying. In this way, the suicides of Nazi leaders in 1945 were not understood as suicides as such, but as heroic self-sacrifices, end quote. I will say, I understand civilians. Like, it's horrible, but I do, it's, I'm not without sympathy for those who thought, like, either I have to protect my children by killing them or they will suffer a fate worth, worse than death. You know, that sort of horrible mm-hmm. desperation. Yeah. That is more understandable than the fucking Nazis who, who killed themselves because they thought, and, and their, their families because it was like some dumb honor idea. Because that's bullshit. There was no honor in anything they were doing. Um, and they weren't trying to protect anyone. They were trying to 
be like, I'm look at me, <laughs> look at me, I am so noble. It's yeah, just like, yeah, exactly. you're not, no, not really. you're a monster. <laughs> yes. As mentioned, the media contributed to this type of suicide and not indirectly. On the 28th of March, 1945, as Allied troops were closing in on Germany, Wilhelm Plyer wrote an article extolling the virtues of death by one, one's own hand in the Nazi Party newspaper. Fulkischer Beobachter. Beobachter. Anyway, uh, that... Hold on. Now I, I, I looked... Okay, that was the Nazi Party newspaper, yeah. In which he stated that, quote, to risk one's life does not merely mean to die, but to stand up for a cause and the desire to sacrifice one's personal existence, end quote. Suicide marked one as a hero in desperate times. Surrender branded one a coward. Okay, Okay, Nazis. (laughs) A quick digression into, I'm sorry, filicide, the Goebbels children. Ooh, okay, we're gonna, ooh, we're gonna learn the story of the the Goebbels killing their children. On the evening of May 1st, the Goebbels children were mostly unaware of the gravity of the situation outside of the bunker, though the eldest, Helga, did ask her parents what was going to happen to the family and seemed to sense that they were not being forthcoming on the outcome of the war. Sitting around a table near the communications room, Magda brushed their hair and kissed them, preparing preparing them for the bed. That's a Goebbels wife yeah mm-hmm. dressed in their pajamas and nightgowns telephone operator yeah. right there sorry looking looking at the pronunciation <laughs> guide rokas mish saw four-year-old heidi climb onto the table while 12-year-old helga appeared to be quietly weeping their mother ushered them down the hall and up the stairs that led to a different section of the bunker, passing the switchboard where he was seated, and noted that Helga was pushed slightly by her mother as they climbed the stairs. Little Heidi, clearly unaware of what she was about to of what was about to occur, turned back around to look at him and giggled, singing a little rhyme she had made up. Uh, mish, mish, du bist ein fish. Mish, mish, you're a fish. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. In their bunk room, witnesses reported that the children were given something to drink, with many sources specifying hot cocoa. This was likely laced with a drug to sedate them. Other witnesses placed a Dr. Ludwig Stumpfeger, who was also staying in the bunker, in the in the bunk room at this time, giving the children morphine injections, as Magda explained that these were vaccines and were necessary as they would be staying for quite a while in the bunker. Yeah, people need to stop lying about vaccines. Although in this case, I guess it's not that, not, not that, not that these kids are going to last much longer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Later, an SS dentist who was also in the bunker, Helmut Kunz, testified that he administered these injections. Where after Magda and Stumpfeger crushed cyanide capsules into their mouths. Mm. Jesus. While the details surrounding the actual deaths are sometimes conflicting, owing to the fact. But those who were in the room at the same time, save possibly for Kuntz, who lived until 1976 and ran a successful dental practice after spending 10 years in a Soviet gulag, all died within days. It is likely that the children did not know what was truly happening to them, were somehow drugged or sedated and then killed using cyanide. Some sources also mention that the eldest, Helga, had bruising on her arms that indicated she may have been conscious and aware as a cyanide was administered and had tried in vain to fight back as her mother took her life. Mm. Mm. Their children dead, Joseph and Magda Goebbels, emerged from the bunker into the garden of the Reich Chancellery 
and completed suicide either by cyanide or gunshot. Their bodies were then given a coup de gras, unceremoniously doused in gasoline and burned. Hmm. And then Mick wrote, end of digression, thanks for bearing with me. Jeez, yeah. These are some grim <laughs> stories. Oh, I think the rest can of we, the... Can we get to the mass suicide already? <laughs> I think uh, maybe the rest of the month of December should all be upbeat yeah. episodes. <laughs> this one's rough. All right, phase three of the mass suicides occurred after the occupation at the end of the war began, mostly in areas conquered by the Soviet Red Army, usually in response to the widespread rape and looting by Russian soldiers. This is the category to which the suicides at Demen and indeed many other communities in eastern parts of modern-day Germany belong. Even Jesse is like, mm-hmm. will you stop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this phase of suicide is that is that this phase encompasses the majority of civilian suicide deaths and that while few notes were left behind stating motives, it had all, has already been determined that the fear of Soviet occupation and brutality p- played a decisive role. In all areas of Germany, suicide rates spiked in 1945, but nowhere so dramatically as in the eastern regions such as Pomerania. To compare, researchers in 1947 compiled this graph that we can see, obviously, <laughs> showing suicide rates in Berlin, occupied by the Soviet Union, and in Hamburg, o- opu- occupied by the British during the final months of the war. So that's, mm-hmm. these are that's, the suicides yeah. in Berlin, those are the suicides in yeah, Hamburg, quite, basically quite none. Yeah. But back to the quiet little town of Demen. Act one, the hell machine approaches Demen, April 30th, 1945. As cities such as Konigsberg, now known as Kaliningrad, Kaliningrad, were fought over and then occupied by Russian troops, civilians trekked through the provinces of East Prussia ahead of or alongside retreating German soldiers. Many of these displaced civilians ended up in Pomerania, including the quiet little city on the three rivers, Demen. With this influx of refugees from the east, Demen was quickly overcrowded, and the food situation understandably became more dire, the time of year compounding the more general breakdown in food production and supply chains. In addition to the shipping and distribution of rations being severely impacted as the country began to tear apart at the seams, the cool weather of early spring left citizens without even foraging or gardens as viable options to find sustenance. Cellar and attics were quickly turned into makeshift shelters for new arrivals, and rumor of Soviet atrocities against civilians spread like wildfire. For weeks, haggard elderly men and and stooped grandmothers had trudged along with exhausted, gaunt-faced women and grimy children children, in a long, arduous trek from cities such as Stettin and even farther east, mostly on foot, carrying whatever they had been able to salvage from their former lives. Homes and schools were bursting with refugees, as were the nearby farms. The population of Demen swelled within weeks from 9,000 to over 15,000. As a result, many simply had to sleep out in the open amongst their bundles and handcarts, waiting for whatever came next. At the end of April, it wasn't just the refugees from further east that were fleeing. The Wehrmacht, Wehrmacht troops stationed in the city were pulling out as well. The boys' high school, used as a military hospital, was quickly emptied, and the citizens made a run for the army food storage depot that the soldiers unlocked upon their exit. 
Then the police force evacuated on a truck, leaving the city truly without any defenses. This Some of this is sounding really familiar because I remember they talked about this and mm-hmm. some of the stuff in Operation Paperclip. Yeah, yeah. the uh, authorities, so to speak. Yeah. Basically took what they could and got the fuck out of there. Bailed. Yeah, yeah. totally leaving citizens they were just defenseless. On their own. Mm-hmm. Yep, on their own. On April 29th, the first Soviet airplanes began strafing the area. Strafing? Strafing, yep. What does that mean? Uh, uh, like indiscriminate Patrolling. bombing. Oh, oh, geez, yeah. okay. And the German army finished their messy retreat without so much as a final battle. Perhaps a final battle would have been preferable, however, to what did occur. Recall, recall how the, and I have to go back to the, Pina, Tolensa, and Trable rivers bound the town to the north, west, and south. So the only route out of Demon that didn't involve a bridge was at the base of the peninsula to the east, directly in the path of the Soviet Red Army. When the garrisoned troops finished their sloppy, hasty retreat out of town, they did the only natural thing to try and prevent the Soviets from pressing even further westward after they took Demon. Yeah, so I, I wanted to make sure I had that right. Yeah, sure. So strafing... Is repeated attacks with bombs or machine gun fire from low flying aircraft. Okay. That's okay. what I was. I was like. I was like. Yeah. There's something. So. It's not. It's not too. indiscriminate bombing from like a B fifty two who's ten thousand feet in the it's air. Low it's low level. Yes. Yeah. It's it's mm-hmm. it's uh, smaller single. Uh, Engine planes. Yes, mm-hmm. making just runs here and there. Gotcha. Like you know, hundred feet off the ground. Sounds horrible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't. Uh, you would not want a uh, fucking airplane coming after you if you were trying to escape. Right? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're not really going to win that battle. Mm-hmm. So uh, when the garrison troops, they did the only thing they could do. They dynamited and destroyed all of the bridges, cutting this from remaining off from any route of escape. Upon hearing the detonations that destroyed the bridges, resident Gerhard. Moldenhauer became lost in despair and went to the cellar, shooting his wife and children before finally killing himself. Demon wasn't an island, but after the destruction of the bridges, it might as well have yeah. been. Yep. Became one. Yep. With everyone who hadn't yet evacuated left with no choice but to sit and waste, wait for the worst to come. That's what when the Soviet stories of the hell machine began to spread, fueled by the clattering, ominous sound of Soviet tanks and artillery approaching. In the nearby village of Alt-Tetarin, the menacing sound of the machinery grinding and pounding had sparked up a rumor that the Soviets had a hell machine, a gi- oh god, a giant mincer, grinding up and feasting upon the men of the village who had been rounded up and carted away earlier that day. Formerly a bustle of activity, crowded with locals and those passing through on their way west, Demon quickly became almost deserted and eerily quiet. A few fanatical Hitler youth boys and age Volkssturm conscripts insisted that they would defend the city until the end, but many citizens hung white bedsheets and white dishcloths from their windows, hoping to be spared the worst of the inevitable violence. In this tense, uncertain atmosphere of morbid expectation, there was the first sad inkling of what was to come. Looking up this word. Reichsarbeitdienst. Reich Labor Service members, uh, Lothar Buchner was found, or member Lothar Buchner was found hanging along with his entire family, a grandmother, mother, sister-in-law, wife, and their three-year-old son. Mm. 
Across town, the head of the local health insurance fund was also discovered, also hanging alongside his wife, daughter, and nine and two-year-old grandchildren. Several more chose the noose as their escape route, though another family outside of town resorted to a rifle to end their anxious despair. 21 suicides were recorded on the 30th of April, shocking everyone, yet this was only the very beginning. At half past three on the afternoon of April 30th, while Adolf Hitler was taking his own life and that of his mistress Eva Braun in Berlin, Demen fell to the Red Army. In Demen, Soviet soldiers found that the destruction of the bridges successfully thwarted their advances to the west, and tank the tanks were parked along the river's edge while the troops stormed through the town, billeting themselves where they pleased in the abandoned houses as well as those still occupied. The worst of the tales they'd long heard of Russian occupation seemed for a moment to have been just that. Tales. But everything changed when the Soviet soldiers discovered the local schnapps distillery. Oh, boy. Mm. Flush with liquor and high on victory, coupled with the eager anticip mm -hmm. anticipation of the coming May Day celebrations, the Red Army spared Demon for only a few hours. By nightfall, the first houses were burning and the first rapes were reported. With the old houses and city bird buildings highly combustible and often of half-timber construction, the fires spread like each building was simply an oil-soaked wick. Hmm. Act 2. Red Sky at Morning, May 1st, 1945. It is unclear how exactly the fires started, with each proposed cause both plausible and politically motivated. Burning down the town served no purpose. The military had left Demon. And had left, and Demon was no center of war industry. Some accounts claim that the Soviets burned it intentionally as part of their pillaging. Others suggested the blazes began accidentally, or the isolated fires in strategic buildings were intentionally started but grew far beyond control. Ursula Stroshin recalled years later of the morning of the 1st of May, quote, Peering apprehensively onto the street, we saw the Red Army soldiers engaged in a curious exercise. They were plunging long-handled brooms wrapped in rags into enormous pails and hastily daubing the walls of the houses. To our astonishment, we saw a red sky over the market square. Fire. Mm. End quote. Despite the murkiness surrounding the origins, what is clear is the level of devastation that the conflagration caused. In the ancient town center, entire streets were obliterated, while outside of town, some buildings survived as the blaze skipped and jumped seemingly at random. After the inferno was extinguished, half to three quarters of Demon's, Demon was completely razed. The sunny morning had taken on every aspect of nightfall thanks to the billowing black smoke that blotted out all traces of light, with even the beloved Gothic church spire, a symbol of the city, unable to be spotted through the darkness. Families now fed, fled the flames, a more pressing terror than even the Russian soldiers were, scattering to fields and forests and the wetlands bordering the town. Ten-year-old Karl Schlosser would later recount his his own escape quote we set off at a run past the red brick school building that hadn't yet caught fire down the dirt path to swan pond along the bank between the willows the streets were full of people fleeing the flames all we could see upon looking back was a column of smoke rising above the fir trees then i saw my mother standing before me in her hand she held one of the razor blades she had packed before we had taken flight 
we're going to heaven now to join your father, end quote. Mm. Jeez, obviously that didn't happen. Mm -mm. Only thanks to his grandfather shouting at his mother, grabbing her and wrestling the blade from her hand, were the boys and potentially the entire family's deaths prevented. Wow. Mm. They never spoke of the incident again. Oof. You know, these are the people who raised boomers. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. So... You know, sometimes, besides the lead poisoning and likely traumatic brain injuries sustained by many boomers that uh, probably caused some of their issues, um, they were also raised by highly traumatized people. Yeah. Well, I mean, so was our generation. Our, our generation well, we were raised was... by the boomers. <laughs> well, but we were also raised by like people that came came upon that went through the Vietnam War. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trauma begets trauma. Mm-hmm. In Demon, suicides tended to be carried out in one of three locations and in one of several ways. Many killed themselves in their homes, often by hanging or poison, either obtaining cyanide or other lethal agents from the pharmacy, or by overdosing on commonplace medications. Many fled to the forest outside of town where they would then hang themselves, poison themselves, or choose a bloodier exit via gunshot or razor blade. But what is perhaps unique to Demon was the third type of suicide, one of the most common during those three hellish days, drowning. Wow. Oh, this is um, post fires. Oh, okay. Yeah. You can see just not, like the brick buildings. Mm -hmm. The spire's still there. Yeah. Uh, the medieval city gate, the Louisentor Louis managed to survive despite some damage. While, around, while areas around it were completely leveled, in the background can be seen the spire of the church. Yep. <clears throat> and, and there's a map of it as well. All right, so drowning was apparently common. Mm. And for those wondering, we are... We're gaining on the end. <laughs> this is we're a brutal there. one. This is a brutal one. <laughs> All right. With the town's location on the rivers and with ponds dotting the countryside, hundreds of civilians walked into the rivers never to emerge. I, that's... Yeah. That's a rough one, that is, you yeah. know? Like, how do you stop yourself from... I don't know. They probably weighed themselves down, I'm guessing. I guess. Well, let's see. Uh, whole families tied themselves together with rope before going to their deaths. That would be yeah. part of it. Mothers held young children beneath the surface until their little ones no longer struggled, struggled beneath their hands. That was That's a brutal sentence. That's a brutal sentence. Like, you hear about... This is something... Okay. Trigger warning for animal death. Something I find personally incredibly upsetting is the idea of people drowning kittens. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that's oh, horrible. Jesus. And that's yeah. like a... They're drowning any kind of... Old, yes. Yeah. Um, and this is this is just as horrifying. Anyway, uh, people walked motionless and resolute into the dark waters with rucksacks on their backs filled with rocks to hasten their demise. Dozen of, dozens of Demon citizens walked into the river that day, and in the days that followed going to their deaths. Soon the riverbanks were strewn with clothing from women, children, and babies, evidence of the corpses that now lurked below the surface or in the reeds. Young medical student... Uh, oh, I guess. Latte Lore Martins later recalled, quote, the sight of the riverbank moved me more each day. They meadow, meadows by the, the meadows by the river, resplendent in their spring finery, were edged like the border of a dress with about one and a half to two meters of baby's clothes and other gar other garments, expensive frocks and furs in particular, and identity papers and passports. Money, too. A lot of money, but nobody stopped to pick it up. It mm -hmm. seemed to us worthless. Mm -hmm. 
Many of those who walked into the water were, would remain unidentified, their identity papers becoming separated from them when the current tore their coats and handbags away, or as they simply carried none to begin with. With the influx of refugees in the town, not everyone who died had friends or relatives in the area to identify them, and even for lifelong Demon residents, the scope and scale of the deaths could mean that even they went that even they went anonymously into death, as no friends or relatives may have been alive to confirm their identities. Compounding the problem, the damp from the rivers and the warming spring days meant that decomposition was quick to set in, thwarting identification even in the best of circumstances. Lottie, Mor Lottie Lore Martins searched up and down the riverbanks for her father, finding no traces, trace of his body, only his overcoat with his identity papers in the pocket. Nearby, she also found coats belonging to other family members, none of whose bodies were ever identified. Cyanide, as famously used by Eva Brown and the Goebbels family, was another option that was widely utilized, though more often in Berlin than in Demen, where it usually occurred in the privacy of the forest. Glass ampules of the deadly poison were easy enough to come by, particularly for those with connections to those in the medical or veterinary professions, who had access to chemicals that could easily be combined to make it. But this was perhaps one of the most agonizing ways to end one's suffering, with the victims potentially experiencing several minutes of fully conscious agony, including mm -hmm. vertigo, vomiting, rapid heart rate, weakness, yeah. difficulty breathing, and seizures before expiring. Yeah. I mean, you're literally poisoning yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. so. so you get the effects of poisoning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not every side, uh, not every suicide via poison, whether from cyanide or pharmaceuticals, was successful. Jeez. Sometimes the dosage would kill the children and leave their distraught parents to regain consciousness days later, only to discover that they had murdered their offspring and failed to end their own lives. As we've already seen, another choice made by Demon residents was hanging, as we already saw with the suicides on the 30th of April, where entire families were found in their homes. Other victims were spotted dangling from trees in the woods, a gruesome sight that included the elderly and young children. If hanging didn't work, razor blades were employed, as young Carl Schlosser's mother had intended. Yet this method, too, was unpredictable. For weeks, people straggled into doctor's offices in and around Demon with wounded, withered wrists. Act 3. We're getting there. <laughs> By the 4th of May, the fires had burned themselves out, leaving Demon a shell of a town strewn with blackened rubble and the halls of gutted buildings. With the majority of homes uninhabitable and those that were commandeered by occupying soldiers, those mm -hmm. who survived... The horror found shelter wherever they could and began to slowly pick up the pieces of their lives amidst continued uncertainty. It was at this time that Marga Benka, the daughter of the gardener at the local cemetery, began keeping a makeshift record of the suicides, neatly noted in a ledger normally used for record recording purchases of plants and supplies. For over two months, Benka recorded each body that was brought in, whether a name could be paired with it or not. For those who, whose identities were unknown, she made certain to know any potentially identifying characteristics or items found with them in hopes of per perhaps later discerning who they were to give them dignity and death. On 28 pages of small print, she logged the deaths of over 600 people, almost all of them suicides, and over half of whom were buried anonymously in mass graves. Jeez. 200 of those buried in those mass graves, heartbreakingly, were children. That's actually... that's. Oh, good. We are almost done. <laughs> um, that that's very, that's very, that was very noble of her, to yeah. like very dedicated to be like this is important. Well, it's probably 
it's probably part of it too is like somebody has to right yeah it's cer- it's certainly not going to be the soviets <laughs> right I, yeah you know, um because you live with these people and this is a different a different time period like this village these people probably all know each other mm-hmm. you know yeah so and and also if she found any identification was able to record names then if family at mm-hmm. some point from somewhere else or somebody a yeah, friend mm-hmm. from another another city like sure. hey like i remember she had that tattoo or whatever right. like uh-huh. you're recording it just to record it in the hopes in the hopes yeah. that maybe mm-hmm. somebody because you know ne- i mean you never know yeah so i mean yeah yeah in addition to this ad hoc record keeping official records began to be compiled by mid-may with the, the historic town hall destroyed along with city records, a temporary registrar's office began operating with lines stretching down the street as people arrived to register the deaths of their loved ones. Hundreds of deaths were officially registered and continued trickling in even months later. Like Benka, the registrar also recorded the cause of death, though he was more precise. It is from these records that we can discern how many suicides were caused by drowning, by poison, by hanging, or by firearm. The struggle to survive and to rebuild left little room for grief and little time to bury those who were lost. Lost. As Demon settled into a suicide... Demon settled into a suicide? What? Rachel, read the words. As Demon settled into a routine... (laughs) Not at all that word. In the Soviet occupation zone and later East Germany, the mass suicide of 1945 faded into nightmarish memory. For those who's who lived lives lived through it and was seldom mentioned to or discussed with those born after, in the midst of denazification trials and adjusting to a world where formerly idolized politicians and ideologies were roundly condemned by tribunals, ranging from the district court to the international military tribunal at Nuremberg, amidst the background of the suffering of those persecuted by the Nazi regime. Many Germans seem to have been unable or unwilling to confront their own more personal tragedy. You can see, like, that is that is a pure survival mechanism response sometimes to trauma is, like, tunnel vision oh, forward. Course. Just yeah, absolute tunnel vision forward. It's, like... It's fairly common. Just, yep, just yeah. get on with it and survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can see that. And yet, for many, the wounds would remain, whether psychological or physical, for the rest of the victims' lives. Quite sadly, these events would be used in more recent time by right-wing extremists in Germany, and the memory of these victims has unjustly been tainted by this appropriation of their stories for political usage. Yeah, that's shitty. Because of the chaos surrounding the fall of the Third Reich, and the many souls who went to their deaths in a strange town with no one to identify them properly... It is difficult to estimate just how many lost their lives via suicide and death in between April 30th and May 3rd, 1945. Estimates have ranged from 900 on the low end to a staggering 2,500, all part of a spate of suicides throughout Germany that took tens of thousands of lives in mere weeks. Buried in mass graves or family plots at Demon Cemetery, the graves look out upon the forest and rivers where those buried endured their final desperate moments on earth. Today, the town has recovered from its destruction, leaving only these headstones and an exhibit in the local church to testify to the little-known and often-overlooked disaster that was Deminer Tragudi, the tragedy of Demon. Mm. Oh, my God, Mick! 
that was the story of the mass suicide at Devon, a tragedy in three acts. Mm. When I say when I say that, Mick, I mean that was very well done. It's it was just, very well done. Just we very asked, brutal. <laughs> we asked for stories about disasters, and boy, did you deliver! Yeah. <laughs> and that was brutal. You went above and beyond. You did. You did. <laughs> yep. It's funny when I said Mick, that made me think of Mick. Mick. Speak Mick, English. Speak English. <laughs> From Jumpin' Jack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drunken lesbians. What the fuck? <laughs> Maybe we should watch that movie now think, to like yeah, bring ourselves something back up. Funny. <laughs> um, yeah, usually I've spent my uh, Sundays the past couple weeks just being sad about a football team. Um, <laughs> Doesn't seem like as big of a tragedy. No, now, does not, it? <laughs> not anymore. Although I'll forget about it all of course. Uh, this time next week. Yes, we're just lucky it's the Bills bye week. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that sucked mm-hmm. a lot. Um, not the script to be clear Thank no you, not no not done. at all not at all it was very well done because it was miserable yeah <laughs> yeah boy that's rough so i'll tell you what that was such a bummer <laughs> that i promised to deliver we'll do lighthearted scripts through new year's how about that yeah, we gotta do... <laughs> we'll do yeah. miracle soaps and lighthearted scripts for, for the rest of the year. <laughs> we'll, try to, we'll try to find a fun tragedy. <laughs> a, a, a fungity, if yes, you will. Yes, which is a bit of an oxymoron, but but they do exist. <laughs> they do. Uh, yeah. Yep, something just came to my mind. Yep, we'll do. We'll do some, quote, fun stuff. Okay. <laughs> but uh, that was a real bummer. Good good bummer for the end of the year. <laughs> yes, very much so. Oh, yes, sorry. No, that's okay. Title. Oh, I turned it off. No, <laughs> Hold on. Okay. I'll find it here. But, um... Yeah, it. I mean, I remember in that one documentary that I was watching, and it wasn't talking about this specific uh, case of women being raped, but mm-hmm. I remember the documentarian saying, uh, if you were alive mm-hmm. throughout the end of the war, and you were a woman in this part of, or in Germany once the Soviets came, mm-hmm. I remember him saying, there was a 100% chance that you were raped by multiple men. Ugh. Not just... Oh, not just like it happened to you once and like that's it. It was like a, it was like daily for for some yeah. women, which is just I, all, I, I can't all due imagine. respect to you yeah. and our lovely men listeners, but men fucking suck, man. Well, I mean, when you when you certainly when you put them in the stresses of war and then they lose all their humanity, then yeah. And also patriarchy. Yep. Patriarchy sucks for all of us, including yeah. men. So. I mean, it's it's again like. Demetrius, it is not even close! Sounds like he's trying to open the door. He is trying to open the door. He is, actually. He's done it before. He'll be like that velociraptor in uh, Jurassic Jurassic Park. Park. If we had a handle, he'd have already learned how to open the door. Yeah. Except it's a knob, so. He's definitely tall enough to reach it. Oh, yeah. Tall boy. But, but yeah, this might also be why, like, reconstruction of war and the end of war isn't talked about all that often because of it's so fucking depressing because of stuff like this mm-hmm. you know because this again this is not uh this is not unique to this war to no. these people like this no, is it's not this is uh it's this just is what one happens. one explicit example yes very much so well thank you mick for... thank you very much mick absolutely yeah. it... that was very well done yes. obviously and you, you truly delivered on a terrible thing. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yes. So that was the mass suicide at Devon, a tragedy in three acts. Thank you again, Mick, for the script. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>